0: We're on this series called Anchors and uh, it's kind of been a short series. There's a possibility we may kind of tag off of it next week. Not real sure uh, what we're going to do there. Um, We've got Fam Jam coming up. We're really excited about that. So I hate to Kind of to break things up before we hit that, but um, we, we started off this series talking about storms and uh, just the difficulties uh, that we go through. And you, how many of you know that you can run from the storm or you can anchor deep in the storm? And if you run from the storm, then what's going to happen is when the storm passes, you're going to find yourself lost at sea. However, Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. So there's even hope if you're lost at sea. However, we need to get to a place in our lives that when we anchor deep. So when the storm comes, we know where we're at on the other side of the storm. And so this is what, what Scripture teaches us, and we, we talked a lot about that. You can catch up with that on uh, the, the podcast. And last week we talked about having storm-walking faith, and we talked about Peter and how Jesus called Peter. It wasn't it was was Peter's idea, it was Jesus' idea, and he put it inside of Peter. And Peter started walking, and people we talked about how people are critical of Peter, but Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Come on, are you with me? If you just would have kept his eyes on Jesus, that's easy to say whenever you're still sitting in the comfort of the boat. Uh, but he he actually got out and walked. On the storm for a minute, and uh, we believe that through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the authority to walk on top of storms. Come on, are you with me? That we have the ability to stay above the storm. And we talked about uh, that if our if our trust is if our trust is in the unshakable one, if it's in Jesus, the unshakable one, then we will be unshaken when the storm comes. So it's not really about our stability so much and how solid we are, how self-disciplined we are. We don't put our hope in us and our stability. We put our our, our trust in Jesus. He is the one that we are hoping in. So, so many times we put hope and, and trust and all these things in, in the tangible, in the, in the, in, in, on the earth. But Scripture tells us that we walk and we live by faith. So we are people of faith. Everything starts and ends with faith. And so that's why it's the life of faith. Come on, not the life of, of necessarily everything everything. everything going our way. So the storms are going to come. We've talked about that. The storms are going to come. The the question is, is where are we going to be on the other side of the storm or in the midst of the storm? What are we going to be living like? Are we going to be lost or are we going to be secure? And I believe for the believer that we can actually find strength and we actually discover, scripture teaches us and we're going to talk about it. We discover hope in the storm. In fact, hope becomes more real to us when the storm is there. That's the reality. When we're in the storm, hope is stronger. And what many people live by is when the storm comes, their hope is weak. But for the believer, hope is where things are built and things are established and we find uh, great security in that. Hebrews chapter 6, this is our, our scripture for this series. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold out to the hope that lies Before us, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So, the thought today is if we are anchored deep, then we can set our hopes high. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Look at your other neighbor and say, Get your hopes up. Look at somebody across the room and say, Get your hopes up. You need to get your hopes up. The world is telling you. Come on, your experience is telling you, don't set your hopes too high, but Jesus is always telling us, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. You, If you are anchored deep, if you are anchored deep, you can live with your hopes high. I, I uh, you know, I've lived life pretty hopeful, and, you know... Um, Whenever I first came to the Lord, I, I was that way. It's, it's kind of built in me. I just, I just have hope, man. I, I'm not going to say I'm a great man of faith, but, uh, but at the same time, I guess I am because I, mean, I'm just, I just believe that, that God has greater things coming all the time. And I've never been a person that just kind of like, you know, well, just, I don't know how things are going to, I just kind of feel hopeless. I, I've never really struggled with that. However, I have dealt with some battles in my life and learned to remain hopeful even when the battles are there. And uh, how many know that Jesus didn't come? to help you cope. Come on, are you with me? That's why people, people do dope. They do dope to cope, right? But we, we don't have to do dope to cope. We don't have to cope at all. We have hope. And hope doesn't help you cope. Hope helps you excel in the midst of the storm. It helps you come above and rise above, not just deal with it as well. If I can just, you know, my mom used to have this little uh, thing in, the, uh, in our house. It was a little mouse and it had a little rope on it. And it said, when you get to the, the end of the rope, tie a knot and hang on. My mom had these little things in our house, and I remember always seeing that, and you know, kind of, oh, okay, okay, when I get to the end of my road, just... How many you know that that is not, this is not the life that God, that you would just kind of hang on and, and hope maybe one day the storm, and if the storm passes, then maybe you'll be okay. This is not hope. This is the world's version of hope. And when we talk about hope and we talk about faith, which are the the, the ideas that we're exploring in this series, then, then we're always, we always talk about Abraham, right? Abraham is, we know, the father of faith. He was a friend of God, and we've talked a little bit about him in this series. And we're going to talk about him a little bit today. And, and probably the most uh, recognized story from Abraham is whenever, not so much the promise that he got. When, he, when Abraham was 75 years old, he got this promise. God came to him and he said, leave the land you're living in. It's funny, when God gave him the promise, he also gave him the mandate to receive the promise. Come on. Are you with me? So he's like, leave the land you're in. I'm going to give you a new land. I'm going to increase your descendants. In fact, you won't even be able to count your descendants. And so, you know, it'd be easy for people that are that are uh, Jewish to say, oh, we're we're the descendants of Abraham. How many know that Jesus ran into people in uh, in John chapter eight? He ran into people that were going, we're the children of Abraham. We're Jews. We're the children of Abraham. And Jesus said, you are descendants, but you are not the true children of Abraham. And then Paul later on comes along, and then Jesus talks about, and we talked about this in week one uh, about Zacchaeus, and he was probably exiled, and people said, You're not a true uh, son of Abraham. Gee, we are children of Abraham by faith. So now, because we've played, we are children, not because we're Jews. This is why Paul says there's no Jew nor Gentile, no man or woman. We are children of Abraham by faith. Not in our ability to keep the law, but by faith. So we talked about the law streams down. The law was preparing uh, Israel for Jesus. And then Jesus comes, he fulfills the law, and he says, anybody that comes to me is grafted into Abraham. So it's actually we predate the law through Jesus, if you can follow that train, train of thought. So we actually predate Israel. No scripture doesn't say the children were the children of Israel which is the name of a person, Jacob. It doesn't say that we're the children of Jacob. It doesn't say that we're the children of Moses. It doesn't say that we're the children of the law. It says we are the children of Abraham by faith. And what is that saying? That we are the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham, that we would multiply. And we talked a lot about that in week one. And so if you want to go back and catch that, it's really great because some of you are kind of like, whoa, what are you talking about? So God gives Abraham this promise. He's, he's, he's 75 years old. God gives him this promise. And when Abraham's 100 years old, uh, this God comes to him. He has a son. He actually has two sons. He has a, a son uh, named Ishmael through Hagar, but Hagar was not uh, his wife, Hagar was actually the slave. Of 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 Sarah's, and so she was this slave woman, not not like a slave that you'd abuse, but she was like a servant in the house. And she said, "Well, hey, why don't you uh, sleep with with uh, Hagar, and then you can have a son." And so he worked. He stepped outside of the confines that God had established, and he worked really hard—a work of the flesh—and produce his child. But how many know in the, gu- the eyes of God that this was not this was not what the child had promised him? This was the child that he got out of working. And so he worked real hard, and he got this, this baby, and it was produced out of Abraham's strength. Now, I believe the reason why God came to Abraham when he was 75 years old to say, and, and promised him this son it, is because it, w- it was impossible in the natural. His wife was old. They, you know uh, Theologians say that you know, she was probably, historians say that she was probably in her 60s, you know, probably went through menopause, all these kind of things probably happened. And God said, I'm, I'm, I'm promising you a son. And they kind of laughed, right? And so Isaac was born as, as a result. So, so Abraham's like, okay, I, tr- I tried this thing with Hagar. This, this really isn't working. And uh, so I know that this isn't really the child of promise. And God said, no, 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 he's not the child of promise. He's, he, he's the child of your, of your flesh and your carnality. And Many times we produce things out of our flesh, but it's just not God's will. Come on. Are you with me? And so here, here we go. And so God comes to Abraham. So here's Isaac, his, his son, his only son. Now, when it says only son, it, it doesn't mean that he didn't have other offspring because he did, but it was not in the context of God's will. So God doesn't see it. <laughs> Check this out. Abraham, God called. Now he's 100 years old right here. Okay. Abraham's 100 years old. All right. Old, feeble man. Uh, so here we go. Abraham. God called. Notice God didn't call him Abram. That was his old name. Abram means father. Abraham means father of many. So Abraham, father of many, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son. Now at this point, Ishmael and Hagar had been, Hagar had been sent off. And he says, yes, Isaac, who you love so much, the child of promise. I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I love this. The next morning. Now, how many of you know? How, how many of you would be like? This would be like me. If God came to me and He said, "Hey, I want you to take Judah, your only son, and I want you to go sacrifice him," I don't think the next morning I would get up. come on are you with me i mean that would probably take some time lord i need to go i need you to be patient i need some grace god i I need you to just kind of be patient with me let me get to the point where i'm ready to sacrifice what you're calling me to sacrifice man i I do i do that to things that are less important than my son are you with me god god calls us to give up something we're like oh it's really hard i don't don't really want to give god if you just give me a few weeks Right? Lord, just let your sanctification be worked in me. Right? Just it's a process, God. How many know that it was the next morning? How does this work? The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then they chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So here he is. Here's the mountain. Here's where this thing's supposed to go down, the sacrifice. And Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said, stay here with the donkey to his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. I mean, you know, he was old. Now, Isaac, we're told that... uh, that we've learned from theologians. Some people say he was as old as 36, others say he's about 16. I'm kind of the, under the opinion that he was a little younger, probably 16 ish, not 36. So here he is, this young man. Carries the fire uh, while well, he put, it, put the firewood on his shoulders, and while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham. Dad, or father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Well, we have the fire and the wood. We have everything we need for the sacrifice except for the sacrifice. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? So here's this young man. His dad's like, we're going to go sacrifice something. And they've got everything they need except for the thing that we're going to sacrifice. So he's like, Dad, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but uh, I mean we've got everything we need except for the sacrifice, like what? What are, you, what are you doing here? And this is what Abraham says: God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place God had told them to go, Abraham built an offering and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac. Now, what Scripture doesn't tell us is the struggle that was going on here. He wasn't some little baby. But he was born out of the womb, and he took him, and he was just kind of, okay, you can tie me up. I mean, how many you know that there was a struggle with this? And an old man having the authority and the power to overpower a young man. And so he ties his son up. I don't know what it looked like. I'm sure there was some wrestling. I'm sure there was some complaining. I'm sure there was not, this isn't going to happen today. I'm sure all these things were going on. I'm sure that Abraham was crying. I'm sure that his heart was broken at this moment as he tied his son up, as he is doing what God had called him to do. However, he knew that there was still a promise. So he ties his son up, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice at that moment. We know that God always comes just in time. Come on. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, father of many nations. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you are true, that you truly fear God, and you have not withheld from me even your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught up by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named, named that place Yahweh-Yara or Jehovah-Jara, which means the Lord will provide. Now, this story rocks me in so many ways. In fact, pretty much every time I see it, I, I get kind of a little bit jacked up every time I read this story because I can't imagine the emotions that this father is, is, is having, his, his only son, the, the child of promise, I mean, this is the child of promise, and God's saying, give it up. Now, How many know that God was testing his obedience? How many know that it was never God's plan for him to sacrifice Isaac? Now, I, w- I would say to many of us, a lot of times God will God will tell you what you need to get you to where you need to be. Come on, some people are like, well, that's what God told me to do, so I'm going to do How many know that I believe, I be- and I really believe this, that sometimes God will tell you to do something that you were never supposed to do, just to get you in the place to where you need to be. And then when you get to that place, God was like, yeah, it's not that God is teasing. It's not that God is lying. He just tells us what we need to know so we can be where we need to be. And so don't get so caught up and I feel like this is what God told me to do. You go ahead and you go with that. But how many know that God might come in and switch that up at the last moment? Come on, we see in part, and I'm not going to go real deep into that, but the thing that I'm blown away by Abraham is how much hope he had in this. And, and some people will say, well, how, how do you know he was hopeful? Well, first of all, you got to look at some of the things that he did. First of all, he got up the next morning. I believe that Abraham is hopeful because he was willing to obey. Hope always brings obedience in us. He was willing to obey God. And in order to give up his own son, how could you not? have such hope that God would provide his promise. God's promise was through this child. I believe the whole time that even though he was being obedient, he knew that his son would not die that day. He was willing, but he knew it wouldn't happen. So what did he do? He obeyed. But every time he woke up the next morning, we see later on, he said, hey, we're going to go worship. We'll be back. His son says, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? God will provide. I don't think he was being deceitful. I think he was being hopeful during this moment. So how can we nurture a hopeful spirit like Abraham had? I mean, he is the father of faith. Well, you've got to have faith. We talked about faith last week. But how do we have a hopeful spirit to live with a great expectation like Abraham had that day, to wake up the next morning? I'm sure there were doubts. I'm sure there were concerns. But I believe his hope was greater than his doubt. I believe his hope was greater than his concerns. If we're going to nurture that hope, number one, we've got to live with favorable expectation. That is what hope is. Hope is the favorable, ex-confident expectation. It's the joyful expectation of good. I love what, the way Bill Johnson describes hope. He says, hope is what my kids do in the morning on Christmas morning when they're standing in the hall and they're all excited because they know that there's some presence there. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Hope is, is uh, when you were a child, if you can remember thinking about Christmas the next morning, hope is not being able to sleep the night before, right? It's the confident expectation of good, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in His great mercy that we've been born again, because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have this priceless inheritance. So we can get our hopes up. Just like Abraham, we can get our hopes up. Why? Because we live with great expectation." We have a priceless inheritance. Priceless. You have a priceless inheritance. Look at your neighbor. Touch your neighbor and say, you have a priceless inheritance. You can't put a value on it. You can't put a value on it. It is priceless. The inheritance is yours. So what do you? how do you live? With great expectation? Or you live discouraged? I don't know. I just, man, I just, I've been let down so many times in my life. Come on. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith is the confidence that what we have will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we can't see. I believe that Abraham couldn't see the ram that day caught up in the thing. He couldn't see it in the physical, but I believe that he saw it with his heart. I believe that he knew that God was going to do something. We've got to live with this expectation that says God is going to do something. Listen, when you wake up every day, when you wake up, you know that God is going to do something good. You don't have to wake up with dread. Well, you just don't, man. It's going to be a rough day. Well, I'm just going to make sure I get a good night's sleep tonight because tomorrow's going to be hard. I know that. I, this is gonna, are you believing God? I mean, we're talking about Abraham. He didn't even have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit like we have. Come on, are you with me? I mean to give his only son and we'll go, oh, it's gonna be hard. I'm just, I'm just dreading that. I'm dreading that would you just believe wake up believing God? Man, today's gonna to be a good day. We do this with our kids, you know, when, when school's in session, we get in the van and we're tired so the first thing we do with our kids is today's gonna to be a great day. Today is going to be a great day. You need to wake up every day with that joyful expectation of good and say, Today is going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day in God because I belong to Jesus. And he's got good things in store for me. And he's got good things for those that I come in contact with. And i got to be full of that hope today so I can give some hope away. And what hope is not is hope is not wishful thinking, right? We kind of use the word hope like that, right? We kinda we kinda change the word out wish and we put the word hope. Right? How many know that wishing is based in fortune? Right? You throw your coin in the in the uh, well or the fountain or whatever. Oh, make a wish. Right? You look at the star. First star I see, make a wish. All right, we're we're kinda we're kinda hoping fortune would bring us something good. We'll we'll ask people, wish me luck get a new job. Listen, I I had someone tell me that one time. They said, hey, wish me luck as I I go. I said, I'm not going to wish you luck. First of all, I don't make wishes. I pray. Come on. And I don't believe in luck, right, because I don't believe in fortune. I said, but I'll pray that God will be blessed, and I'll pray that God will bless you, and I'll pray that you'll have a favorable day today. I'll pray that, that God will give you favor in this interview. Come on, are you with me? How many know there's a big difference? It's this is not semantics. We've got to learn to speak the language of hope. Don't be talking about wishing. Well, I just wish that things would get better in my life. Hopeful people expect it to happen, not kind of doubtingly. well, it's not wishful thinking. If things if I if things would just go my way, if I just meet the right person, if I want to listen, it's out there. Promises available. Listen, this is, uh, you know, we, we, anyway. It's like this. It's like, say I, I write you a check. I couldn't do this today, but maybe one day in my life, and I believe one day in my life I'll be able to do this. I write you a check for $500. Mackenzie Gibson. $500. <laughs> Josh Brown. And what I do is I go and I give McKenzie that $500. I say, okay, McKenzie, here's $500, and I don't want you to spend it on any bills. I don't want you to spend it on anything like that. I just want you to go have fun with it. If you go out and eat big old steak. Go go eat like the Brazilian steakhouse. Go go buy the most expensive meal you can meet. You can go jump out on an airplane or something. You know, whatever you can do with this money to have fun, go have fun with it. So what hope is, is when McKenzie pulls up to the teller at the bank and fills out his little slip and everything, or signs back at the check so he can get it cash and he sends it off. Hope is what happens when that check is in the tube. Hope knows it's coming. I mean, it's coming. So hope knows it's coming. I mean, it might be three or four minutes. It might be like 30 seconds. I don't know, but I do know that money's coming. And you ain't going to get up and leave that line. Oh, they're taking too long. I'll see you later. No? No? Hope don't do that either. Hope knows it's coming. Hope is not what you experience when you go to the doctor, right? And you're, you've been having some headaches and some weird B.M.s, and so you're like sitting in the, in the waiting room, oh, I'm about to run some tests on me. That is not hope. Anxiously waiting is not hope. That might be wishing, man, I just hope nothing. And that's what we say, I just hope nothing's wrong with me. That is not a hope statement. A hope statement is, I believe Jesus is, Paid for my healing. There's nothing wrong with my body. My, my body looks like my heavenly body on earth as it is in heaven. That's what my body looks like. I'm believing a good report because I live with confident, hopeful expectations. Hope, hope has no anxiety. There's no anxiety with hope. There's anticipation. Come on, there's excitement, but there's no worry. There's no stress. There's no, oh, we can even get like that with our prayers sometimes. Come on. Man, I just really need you to pray for me, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Listen, we need to ask for, and we need to be real with one another, but you've got to develop some positive expectation. You, you need to go somewhere like this. So, Listen, man, I'm dealing with some stuff. I know that God is going to provide, but I, 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 I just pray that, would you pray with me that i will just be solid enough to, to keep my eyes on Jesus and to just focus on God through this difficulty? Because it, it's going to be tough, I know, but, but I, I have expectation. I, I know God's going to come through. You need to be a man or woman of faith or a man or woman of great hope. Live this way. Live this way. Now, some of us, you know, we really like this scripture because we're, well, I'm just not an optimist. Well, you better be an optimist because you've got the great optimist inside of you. Don't give me, I'm just, I'm a realist. I'm a, forget that. Well, you just don't understand. It doesn't matter what I understand. We know what heaven promises. And so, there's a scripture in Proverbs, and and this is where the rubber meets the road right here. There's a scripture right here, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. But a longing fulfilled, and we focus on that. Well, I don't want to get my hopes up because I want my heart to get sick. But check this out. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. This is why we place our hope in the right things. What do we place our hope in? Number two, we hold on to promise. We place our hope in promise. We place our trust in Jesus, but we hope, we expect what is promised. We hold out or we hold on to promise. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. God can be trusted to keep his promises. God can, be, God can be trusted when the, when, the, when the bank statement comes in and everything's red. God can be trusted. God can be trusted whenever you get that report from the doctor, and it ain't looking too good. God can be trusted to keep His promises. God can, God can be trusted whenever that, that loved one is drifted away. God can be trusted. To keep his promises. Listen, this is the key right here. Hope, we don't place hope in the particulars, but in his promises. For instance, God, I know you're a good provider. You're going to take care of your kids. I'll put your kingdom first. I seek you in my finances. And that's the key really to everything is just putting the kingdom first. Come on. And so, God, I know that you're a good provider, and I need a job. Right? I need some money. I need some resource. I need some provision, right, which is promise. And so we don't put hope in the particulars. other words, this way, man, I hope I get that job. I hope I get that bonus. I hope I get that raise. I hope I get that check in the mail. We don't put hope in the particulars. We put hope in the promise. The promise is provision, so the hope is when you go into the thing, you can be hopeful. You can have expectations. I believe God has favored me. But you go into it this way, I believe that I've got the favor of God. And if I don't get this job, God's got another one. Because I live with favorable expectation. The bills aren't met yet, but I believe they're going to be paid because God. I've never seen the righteous forsaking or God's children out begging, begging for bread. So God takes care of his kids. I'm not really worried about it. I'm not stressed out about worry will destroy the hope in your life. Disappointment will destroy the hope in your life. So it's important that we don't put hope in that job, that raise, that bonus, that person. But in God's provision, his promise. We don't hope in the particulars, but in his promise. Hebrews 11:11 says, by faith, Abraham, even though he's past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become the father Because he was able, I'm sorry, was enabled to become the father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. See, it's not rooted in your faithfulness. It's not rooted in how clever you can go to a job interview and wow the people. How many of you all heard stories like this? Well, I just knew I was supposed to hire you. Like there were people that were more qualified, but I knew I was supposed to hire you. I knew you were... Because why? Because God has favor on you. There is a favor on your life. And it's not limited to your education. It's not limited to your intelligence. It's not limited by who you know, where you just got to know the right people. Well, you go ahead and you go ahead and produce, and produce, go ahead and produce with Hagar. You go ahead and you go ahead and you work all you can and produce, 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 produce. But you will never produce the promise of God. You go ahead and you do it in all your ability at the end of your life, you go, "Oh man, it just wasn't it. I'm just kind of disappointed. Why? Because you put your hope in the in your strength and your stability. No, 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 consider him faithful, and we need to do those things. Come on, are you with me? We need to go hold out and sometimes God, how many know that, that God may promise you the the uh the maple tree right, or the oak tree, but he doesn't give you the oak tree. He gives you the acorn, right? So sometimes God puts us in these positions to put us in the next position, to be in that position 10 years down the road. So we hold on to promise. Hebrews 11, 11, we just said that right there. Consider him faithful who has made the promise. So we place our trust in Jesus and we hope for what is promised. Y'all all right today? Listen, it's not in your ability to be successful. In fact, success is the testing ground. What's it going to look like when that happens? Right? What's it going to look like when you arrive? Are you going to still be as hungry? Are you still going to be as desperate as you were for God? No. seems like when everything gets, gets going good, you kind of quit going. So you wonder why you're staying in storms all the time. When you have this reasoning, listen, it keeps you anchored. Then then what happens is when you get fired from your job or you lose your job or they're scaling back, you're not stressing out. You're not like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, they're making cuts at work. I'm the last one hired. Right? You know, freaking out getting ulcers. Listen, you don't have to be crushed by worry, but comforted by His promise. Know that no matter what's going on, it's in His promise. It's not in your particular. It's not in your situation. It's, it's in His promise. So number one, live with favorable expectation. Number two, hold on to promise. This is what Abraham was doing that whole time. He considered God who was faithful. Yeah, God told me. God told me to sacrifice this, sacrifice this but God will provide. Number three, stay classy during difficulty. Hmm. Stay classy during difficulty. Check this out, Romans 5. I mean, you know, the, the storms were were meant to help define you, not destroy you. Check this out. Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of, God, of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. When, I, when we see scriptures like this, we're like, what? Rejoice in our sufferings? What? James, consider all, what? (laughs) sucker? You're not going through what I'm going through, right? I guarantee you that Paul was dealing, had a lot harder life than you do. He says we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Our perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So rather than the storm, the sharknado, right? But there were sharks. Rather than the storm leaving us hopeless, it actually leaves us with a more developed hope. And we're just like, it's, it's good in the hood. The shark NATO came and it was scary but I just feel so hopeful today. Listen, no matter what difficulty you're going through, the battles you face, or the tears you shed, let me tell you and let me remind you today that he never left you. Isn't that the promise of Jesus that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know the the most difficult time in your life, he never left. He never left. He's right there. He was carrying you, right? He was holding you up. He had your back because he never leaves. He never forsakes us. He never leaves us on our own. Oh, you're just going to have to develop enough faith, Josh, to deal with this one. I'll just kind of be back here clapping when you do good and pointing at you when you do bad. No, no, no. He's right there with you. Just like Peter that day, he's right there on the water with you. He's saying, hey, if you'll just focus on me, we'll get through it. And people will remember this moment in you. God's promise, listen, God's promise is always the greater reality. When we we pray, Matthew 6, 10, which we're singing today, let heaven come. That's what we're asking. We're asking for, when Jesus said, listen, you say this, well, how do I know if it's the will of God or not? Here we go, Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it look like in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? Is there lack of provision in heaven? Is there discouragement, worry, loneliness, frustration? Are those things in heaven? No. So we let the king come and rule in our life, and this is what our prayer is. So that's how we know what promise is. How I many you know that it doesn't end here? It doesn't end here. And, and, and you, it doesn't end in the battle that you're facing. You're called through it. You're not called to it because you're favored. God's not calling you to the storm. He's calling you through the storm. It's a requirement for the other side, but he's calling you through it. He's calling you to go through it. He's not calling you, oh, it's just, you don't feel hopeless. There's still another side you're going to. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, well, y'all try to make it on the, to the other side. No, he said, we're going to go over there. He didn't tell him about the storm. He just said, You're going. Listen, you're going there. There's going to be a storm. There's always, for the next, you know, new levels, new devils. It's just the way it works. It, it, it will require you to go through something to get there. But you have hope because you're on your way. You're going through it. You're favored. Look at your neighbor and say, You're favored. Look at your other neighbor and say, You're favored. All right. Number four, be an ambassador of hope. Now I was we were having this discussion uh, I think yesterday, I was telling us, I was like, Is it is it okay to say like you got to champion hope? And that's really what I wanted to say, but I was afraid that most of y'all wouldn't understand that. But champion means that we own something and then we're an ambassador of it. So it's not just hope isn't just something you have, hope is something you distribute. You're not a dope dealer. You're a hope dealer. You're a hope dealer. How many of you know that you're not just a user, you're a distributor? Come on, are you with me? So you're a hope dealer. When you go into Walmart, which is a hopeless place, you're a hope dealer. That woman working there ain't got no hope. You know that, right? She's 87 years old and still working. She ain't got no hope, but you do. Are you going to give her some, or are you just going to complain because the line's been too long? Because she'd probably like to complain about that too. But you're not gonna you're not gonna devalue the situation. You're gonna bring value to it. Why? Because you have hope. You're a hope dealer. I thought about getting this shirt made that says hope inside. Hope inside. So when people see that, they say, what's that? So it's what's inside of me? I got hope inside. I always got hope. I mean other you know, people can sense hope in you. They can also sense hopelessness. So we're 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 so Sometimes we're so like caught up in just trying to know, have enough hope for today that we don't have anything to give away. Well, the reason you don't have anything to give away is because you're not living that way. Because I guarantee you that God will always provide more than enough. But are you just kind of living by beans or are you living by blessing? You need to start acting like the champion you are. Listen, if you never received another blessing in your life, you're a champion. <laughs> I mean, you belong to God. If you never receive anything else, if you end up on skid row, you still got it better off than anybody else that doesn't have Jesus. It's all good. Listen, if we see hope as something we bear, we must also see it as our responsibility to steward it. If you find it is your responsibility to steward hope, you will never be without it. You will never be without it. Without it, First Thessalonians one three says, "We continue, and this, I love this because it shows what hope does. We continue to remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope." In the Lord Jesus, see so, you know hope inspires endurance, doesn't it? I went out mountain biking uh, this week. And, man, I was not feeling very hopeful. Right? And then I saw the finish line. Right? I knew it was coming. A little bit of hope. Right? A little bit of hope. Listen, we've heard it said, and we we kind of live by this motto, well, we're going to walk, talk the talk. We're going to walk the walk. Listen, I don't know... If you're going to walk the walk, you got to talk. I mean, you got to. If you're going to talk to talk, you got to walk the walk. How many of you ever heard that? I said that. I have. So, what we do is we're like, well, if I'm not perfect, I can't give anybody anything. Well, that sucks because none of us are perfect and none of us got it together. So, you're just going to have to take the hope you have and give it away. And I guarantee you, when you do that and when you see somebody else light up because you gave them hope, you will feel more hopeful than you've ever felt. But you got to learn to steward that which God has put in you. Hope is like its like you're a funnel for this stuff. And it just comes in you and it's supposed to go out of you. The problem is you're all backed up because you're not bringing hope. All you ever do is walk into a situation and bring the situation down. So you don't live with hope. It's just as vicious, cycle, like, oh, she just don't know. I just got all this to complain about. I just got more complaint, 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 complaint. complaint. Blah, 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 blah. Man, when people get around me that are negative and start complaining, like, I hear about the first three words, and I'm just like, right? Charlie Brown on the phone. And I'm just like, hey. I try to bring hope to the situation, right? Because I know that God's put him in my life. Listen, part of walking the walk is talking the talk. In fact, you can't walk the walk unless you talk the talk. And there is a talk of hope. Hey! Hey guys, let's get up. We're gonna to go to the mountain today. That's what Abraham is doing. We will come back. We're gonna go worship God. We're gonna go worship him. And then we'll come back. We will come back. No, no I'm gonna come back. Oh dad. Well, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> God will provide. Are we distributing hope? Are we hope dealers? Or are we just hoping some person will give us hope? People don't give you hope. Only Jesus can give you hope, and He's already given you all the hope you need. It's called promise. I believe you, Jesus, that it's going to get better. I believe you that it's good. Come on, we start being all negative. What happens? If we feel drained of hope. You know, complaint, I, 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 worry doesn't really work. That's what Pastor, Pastor Richie and, and Amarillo said. He said, worry really does work because 90% of the things you worry about never happen. <laughs> right? How many you know that worrying is stupid and it's a waste of time and it's a deflator? Come on. Whereas you can go into a situation and speak life and bring positivity, positivity and bring encouragement and bring life. So you've got to learn to start speaking like you're not a victim, like you're a champion. You've got to start talking like that. Don't talk about how bad the situation is. Talk about how good the promise is. Don't talk about how difficult so-and-so is being. Talk about how good God is. Talk about, don't tell me about your problems. Tell me what you're going to do to bring life to it. You have hope inside of you. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have hope because Jesus is in you. Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. And if you have Jesus, you have hope. And you have hope to bring. And you have hope to sing about. And you have hope to declare to other people. You can walk into Walmart, the most worthless feeling place in the world, right? I just hate going to Walmart because it just feels like... because. There's just like this spirit. almost. It's probably not. It's probably just my personality. I don't like it. You walk in and you see that lady working there. You're just like on your phone. God's got you there to distribute some hope. Not just so they'll cope, but so they'll succeed. Hope don't float at source. Come on. You got it, Christ. Christ hope of glory? What kind of hope are you bringing to the world around you? Listen, I have found in my life that, that when I'm a hope dealer, because I really do see myself this way, when I'm discouraged, if I can just encourage somebody, I feel better. Like when I'm discouraged, I can tell somebody who's discouraged, I can try to I can try to bring courage to someone who's discouraged, and all of a sudden I feel encouraged, and I'm discouraged. I'm not supposed to feel that way. I don't even have any encouragement to give. But I'm speaking it, and I'm speaking the promise of God. I'm speaking the joy of the Lord. I'm speaking the peace of God over their life. And when I start breathing life into them, I'm noticing that God just starts to fill me up and releasing that on the earth. We're not just consumers. We're dealers. I believe when Abraham said this to Isaac, I'm not sure that he had 100% confidence, I'm I'm not sure that he did I think that he's probably a lot like us he might have had like 51% confidence but I believe that when he spoke those things the hope arise. I believe that he wasn't just telling his son Isaac hey, everything's going to be okay son, he wasn't just telling him that for his son he was saying it for himself Because Isaac didn't hear the word of the Lord. Isaac didn't know what was going on. Listen, as you start declaring hope to the atmosphere, God will fill you with hope. So start declaring the promises of God over your life. When we get up and we say these financial declarations, you know, a lot of new people and I know there's several new people here today. We always have to explain that to them, you know. We're like, All right, I want like Bentleys. No, 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 no. We just believe that God's good and wants to provide. And we believe hope speaks. And we believe God's a good provider. Listen, when you're sick, you know, I mean? You just walk around going, oh, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. No, 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 no. It's okay to, to talk about where you're at, but it's more important. Listen, I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm emphasizing the promise. When you're sick in your body, you can say, I don't feel very good. Hey, baby, come in here and pray for me. Hey, son, daughter, come pray for your daddy. Right? This is what we need to be doing. This is how hope responds. Because hope doesn't react. It responds. When you feel in bondage, you got freedom. When you feel lonely, you're not alone. Stand up with me this morning. Let's just, whatever you're going through. This inheritance. Can we put that back right back up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. This will be a good scripture for you to memorize this week. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. now we live with great expectation.